Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Welcome to church from me today. If I haven't already had a chance to say hello to you, hello, welcome. If you don't know me, my name's Aston. I am one of the pastors here at Encounter. It's my absolute pleasure to be sharing the message with you today. Band, you can take your seats. Thank you so much. That was beautiful worship this morning. All right, how are you all going? Doing well? What a packed house, hey? I absolutely loved worshipping from the front row today. That's a bit of a rarity for me. I'm usually behind the keyboard back there. And my very own Nevan Choir really helped me to worship this morning. This was so good, guys. Really great to have you here. All right. So living your best life, part three. I have the pleasure to bring you the third and final instalment of our Living Your Best Life series today. So just to quickly recap... If you weren't here already, go home, download the app, listen to the podcast. We've had some incredible messages over the last couple of weeks. So in week one, Pastor Robbie and Kathy, our senior pastors, who, by the way, are away at a conference this week, they send their love to you all. Um, they shared practical wisdom for goal setting in 2020, how to achieve your goals and dreams this year. Write them down, break it down into achievable steps that you can measure and go along that way to achieve everything that God's put in your heart for 2020. It was so good. You've got to get a hold of that message. Then last week in part two, Pastor Glenn gave us all a prophetic smackdown. And he urged us to speak life into our circumstances, renew our minds so that old mindsets are broken, and we have God's perspective on our life to move forward with, to apply ourselves to these goals and dreams as we move into 2020. And so today, what's left? What else could I possibly say? Well, I'm going to the best teacher in the world. I think we can all agree that Pastors Glenn and Robbie and Kathy are incredible teachers, right? So the only way I could top it was to go to the man himself. So today, we're going to be hearing something from the words of Jesus. Who's with me? Great. Okay, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Lord, we thank you so much that you are here right now with us this morning. Father, I ask for your anointing to be upon my words for the next 25 minutes or so, God, that it wouldn't be my words, but your words that come and penetrate our hearts today. Lord, would you illuminate your truth to us, to every mind, to every heart in this room right now. And to everyone who's listening on the podcast right now, God, I pray that your presence would come and touch them also. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my message today is Living Your Best Life Through Service. Oh, yeah, I know, it's an unpopular idea. But you're stuck with me now for the next 25 minutes. So we've talked a lot about goals and dreams in the past two weeks, as I'm sure people are all around the world as we head into not just a new year, but a new decade. Most of us, as we prepare for the year, we write down our dreams, our goals, our plans. We're thinking about increased efficiency, productivity, gains, muscle gains maybe, losses. We all know the loss that goes on the list every January. Standards of achievement, things you want to attain. You might have separated this into personal, professional, relational goals. We're all pretty familiar, I think, with this concept, this process we all like to do at the start of each year or at the start of a project. 
But at the end of the day, what all of these goals have in common, for the most part, is that they come down to performance metrics. Something you can measure, right? It's actually what we're taught to do when goal setting. If you want to be smart, make your goals uh, measurable so that you know when you've arrived. Give them a timeline so you can plan these achievements out and really go somewhere with your goals, not just dream about them. So do you think this is the makings of your best life? Being your own supervisor? Being the line manager of your personal brand? Holding yourself accountable to KPIs and timelines? Is this the greatness that you are called to? <laughs> Thank you. I'm not trying to undermine these processes at all. Obviously, some people wiser than me have come up with these ways and discovered this and sharing them with people to help you successfully navigate life in modern society. We need to be able to hold down jobs that pay us. We need gainful employment. We need to maintain healthy relationships, to maintain healthy physical health in our bodies. We need to be able to secure a good life for ourselves and for our families. That's good. But achieving wealth, education, status, and that all-elusive work-life balance. Well, go ahead and try. I certainly won't suggest that you shouldn't pursue these things. But is achievement how we become great? Now, this might seem like a, a tangent, but I want to set something up today in the way that Jesus taught in the world's most famous sermon. In, uh, you can find it in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in this sermon, Jesus repeatedly sets up his lessons this way. He starts by saying, you've heard it said, and then he will describe the world's standard for something at that time. And then he will challenge that status quo by saying, but I say this, and he will add to what the world's standard is and make it an even better standard. So, for example, and I'm paraphrasing, he says things like, you've heard it say, do not murder, but I say, don't even be angry with your brother. Or, you've heard it say, keep all of your oaths. But I say, don't even swear an oath in the first place. Let your word be your bond. So my first point today is that the Jesus way to live your best life is not the way you've heard it said. So in our central text today, we see a repetition of this teaching pattern that Jesus established in the Sermon on the Mount. It's about 20 chapters on in the book of Matthew and about two years later in real time. And this time he's teaching not a big crowd of people but just his 12 disciples in response to a question about becoming great and it's here that we're going to pick up our story today. So this is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 20. In this story, in my Bible, it's called a mother's request but really it could be called a disciple's ambition. And to understand this story, you only need to know that Jesus had 12 close disciples who followed him around for three years and ministered with him during his years of public ministry before his death. 
Now, two of these 12 disciples were brothers. Their father's name was Zebedee. They feature in our story here. Let's read it together. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favour of him. What is it you want, he said. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at the left in your kingdom. It is a big ask. She's asking for her sons to have an exalted place of honour in the next life because of what they've done for Jesus in this life. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Shows how little they understood about what was ahead. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, that's the other ten disciples, they were indignant with the two brothers. So it seems like a bit of a conversation then started amongst the disciples. They're a bit put out at the idea that these two boys would be asking to be elevated above them in the next life. So Jesus calls them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Okay, this is the you've heard it said part. Not so with you. And this is the but I say part. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you see what I'm saying? It's not the way you've heard it said, right? What was normal for the Gentiles? Officials lording it over the people they ruled. It's not so different for us, is it? You might think, no, Aston, we've evolved as a society. We're democratic. All men are created equal. Slavery's been abolished for ages. And we know the perils of chasing materialistic success at all costs. Do we? Have you been on Instagram lately? Facebook for the boomers? I see things like this come up in my feed all the time. I have the best friends. I have someone who posted this um, a little while ago. Don't go looking for who it is. My friends are better than your friends. Wink face. Right? Like, it's, it's cute. It's funny, but the message is still there. What I've got in my life is better than what you've got in your life, and I'm going to show you just how much. My holiday destination is so idyllic. Or my life is so much harder than your life. My week has been so uniquely challenging. I am um, into minimalism, right? It's sort of a pipe dream. I've got three kids, but I do my best. And so I follow these people who are into minimalism and they post about it multiple times a day, how good they are at getting rid of what they don't need, at reducing the waste in their home, eschewing all of their possessions. Like, I'm so good at being detached from my possessions. Right? This is the message you're getting, but they're slaves to their iPhones, obviously. So we hold our achievements up for the inspection of others and for the suppression of others. It may not be your intent, but we know that's what's happening. 
We post things under the guise of inspiration or education. I guess it can be good for those things. I'll acknowledge up front, I'm not a big fan of social media, so I do have a strong bias. To me, it just looks like a really distilled reflection of a culture that's obsessed with achievement and self-worth that is based on these sorts of performance metrics that I've been talking about this morning. If you want to be great, get a million dollars. If you can't get a million dollars, get a million followers. You've heard it said, chase measurable success and you will work your way to greatness. These disciples wanted to be great. So like good Jewish boys, they sent their mum to ask for a favour, pull some strings on their behalf. And to be fair, these two boys actually were really special to Jesus. Some of you would know the story about the night Jesus was arrested. He took just three of the disciples, the ones he trusted the most, into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray with him. And the sons of Zebedee were two of those three boys, young men, I suppose. They were special to him. But Jesus says to them here, Whoever wants to be great must be a servant. He wouldn't even engage with them on the issue of who would sit at his right and at his left. He's like, you're asking the wrong question. So this is my second point this morning. If it's not what you've heard, what is it? And I would say service is life's highest calling. There's another story in the New Testament that shows us some more about this. Some of you might already know this as well. This is part of the story, the way John tells it in his gospel, about the Last Supper. This is the last time the disciples got to come together and join um, together with Jesus around a meal. So they gathered together for dinner. But before they try to eat, you can read this in John 13, Jesus gets up from the table and he actually takes off his robe. doesn't mean he was naked, just took off his outer garment. He tied a towel around his waist and he went from guest to guest around the table washing their feet. Then he sits back down and they eat their meal. Now this part of scripture has of course inspired thousands of messages and studies. It's a powerful and prophetic act that Jesus performed. And we don't have time to go into all of that today. I just want to draw your attention to one part. This is Jesus' words after he has finished washing each of their feet. John 13, 13, he says this, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So have you washed anyone's feet lately? Have you served anybody in a way that makes them ready to come and eat at the table? Do you get this? In Jesus' day, it was customary for guests in a house to wash their feet before they ate. It was, you know, dusty roads and sandals, you can imagine, right? As a good guest, you would wash your feet to come into someone's house. As a good host, you would provide them with what they needed to wash their feet. For whatever reason in this story, the host has not made provision for the disciples to wash their feet. Maybe this host didn't want to be awkward. These were honoured guests. Didn't want to imply that they weren't already clean enough. 
but the ministry of Jesus lifts these disciples up further by making them actually ready to eat at the table, not by pretending that they already were, but by cleaning their feet humbly through this act of service. So are you including in your 2020 plans service? Have you made room for the foot-washing ministry of Jesus that he tells us we are to share with one another? Because without service, you might achieve a lot. You might have every measure of success according to the world standards, the way you've heard it said. But you will not know greatness in God's kingdom. So what does it look like to serve one another in this way? Are we to start washing each other's feet? I don't think that's what Jesus means. I don't think this was a literal instruction that we're now to go around and wash each other's feet. I think what Jesus was saying is, just do whatever it takes. No matter how lowly a task, to make a way for people to come into communion with me. You know, the Last Supper is also the first communion. This is the meal at which Jesus said, took the bread, broke it and said, this is my body. Took the wine, poured it and said, this is my blood. This is the act that we still partake in as modern day Christians as a way of remembering and acknowledging that Jesus has invited us into intimate relationship with him like, like we belong in his home. So what does that look like in 2020? Well, for me, I'm very grateful for the gift of music in my life. I can sing and I can play instruments. And so over the years, I've enjoyed using that in a bunch of different ways. Inside the church, outside the church. And I've sung jingles for the radio. I've sung Christmas shows on TV. Recorded a kid's album a while ago. I'm still streaming on all platforms, just saying. Um, I'm not exactly Katy Perry, obviously. But I have enough experience to be able to make the comparison and tell you that for me... While I've enjoyed all of that stuff outside the church and I still play the odd corporate gig here and there, it absolutely pales in comparison to the joy of leading people in worship here with you guys on Sundays. Using the gift of music in my life to bring people into the presence of Jesus. Now, according to the world, that's madness. To bury a marketable skill in a closed, not-for-profit environment. But this is the highest calling on my life, to serve. Now, obviously, for some people, it's true, um, just as it is of artists, of people in all sorts of walks of life, all sorts of occupations and stations, that it may not work out for you exactly this way. Your work may be secular, as mine was for many years and still to an extent is. I still teach music to earn my living. And I truly pray that if that's you and your work is secular or outside the church, that God grants you favour out there in the world and that you will experience unprecedented success in your work. But even among that, we cannot neglect our calling to serve. So what else can it look like to make people ready to eat at this table? You're not all going to be musicians. Well, do you know that every single Sunday, the other pastors and I roster no less than 52 volunteer positions to make our Sunday service run smoothly. 
That's right. So this experience that you are having right now is thanks to the generous service of 52 people. Every one of those positions is geared towards doing just this one thing, to make people ready to come in to eat at the table with Jesus, to bring them into a state of mind, to put them at ease, to bring them into a comfortable experience where they're open to receiving the word and the worship and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You'll be pleased to know that out of those 52, only four or five require you to be able to sing in tune. Okay? Some of these positions are as simple as placing pens on seats. And you don't need a personality test to tell you that you're uniquely gifted to put pens on seats. <laughs> Jesus wasn't an expert foot washer. He wasn't called to a life of cleaning feet. He was showing us to simply do whatever needs to be done. And so this brings me to my third and final point today. And that's this, don't mistake passion for purpose. You've heard it said, I'm sure, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. In other words, follow your passion. Now that's fair, again, I'm not trying to undermine the wisdom of that, but I do want to add to it because I would say there's an even higher calling than following your passion and it's a life of service. You don't have to be in a caregiving profession to have a life of service. You don't have to foster 20 kids to have a life of service or take a vow of poverty. In fact, God promises us in the Old Testament that his plans are to prosper us. And in the New Testament, Jesus says, just seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, your food, your clothing, your security. He will take care of you. He doesn't want us to be poor or to go without. It's okay to admit to material needs and wants. But what Jesus says is don't make them top priority. Your foundation should be in service, in humility. Loving one another must be our highest goal. So you are not always going to feel passionate about the things God is calling you to do. And if you listen to the conventional wisdom of the world, then you'll hear that you'd be betraying your true self to keep putting pens on seats when you don't feel passionate about it. But how about this? Be passionate enough about a God who gave everything for you to do whatever it takes. No matter how passionate you feel about it, you know, I had a revelation recently about this relationship between passion and service because like many of you, this is the only 19 minutes I will spend without my kids this week because it's school holidays. And for the rest of you who aren't looking after your treasures for days on end without reprieve, you now understand the look of wild desperation you've seen on many faces this morning as they dragged their kids to kids' check-in. So... My kids are twin girls who are 10, my son who's five. The twins, of course, play with each other and they've got friends up and down the street. But my little boy, Wolfgang, he's only got me. So many, many, many times a day, he comes to me while I'm, you know, just doing whatever I'm doing and will say, Mum, do you want to Beyblade battle me? <laughs> there is no right answer to that question. You can't tell the truth, which is, of course not. And I can't lie and say, yes, of course, I'd love to Beyblade battle you. 
Now, if you don't know what Beyblades are, they're spinning tops, okay? They're made by Hasbro. You launch them with a ripcord and they launch into what is rather ambitiously called a stadium, but is basically a plastic bucket. And it spins around until it runs out of juice, right? Depending how hard you launch it and where it lands and all this sort of thing. If you launch more than one at a time, you can have a Beyblade battle. And this is a battle to the death, okay? So either one dies out first, and that's a survivor finish, or one can actually burst open, and that's a burst finish, or Wolfgang's personal favourite, they both burst at once, and that's a simultaneous burst finish. Right, so as you can tell, I've done a little bit of Beyblading in the last few weeks. And I've become, not exactly an expert, I can't compete with my boy and all of your boys, I know they're really into it. Um, but I have definitely improved and gotten a bit better. I know their names. I know the names of the finishers. I know the modes that they can go into, the ones that can switch modes. Sess has seen this in action. She can attest for me. So is my improvement a newfound skill at Beyblading, a reflection of my passion for the sport? Of course not. How bizarre. Like, I don't understand why the kids like it so much. It's quite funny. But it is a reflection of my dedication to my son. But that's kind of what service is sometimes. It's not about passion for the thing you do to serve. It's about devotion to the people that you do it for. So God is gracious to give us passions, but that's not always what's required. And need is actually as good an indicator of what you should do with your time and efforts as your passions are. So I pray that every one of us experiences many seasons in life where these two overlap, where what is required is also something that you are passionate about and that you can enjoy. And I believe God does place us in those seasons, that you will all enjoy seasons like that in your life. But I just want you to know that when you're in a season that doesn't look like that, there is actually a purpose even beyond when your passion has run out. Service is the highest calling we can hope to live by anyway. Whoever wants to be great must be your servant. Friends, living your best life is found through service. God has called every one of us to serve, to serve one another, to serve his bride. The musicians can come back, please. If you felt like God has been speaking to you today through this message this is resonating in some way with you as you contemplate how you want to move into this new decade or this new year, there are so many ways that you can connect with service through the life of this church. I encourage you to sign up for the next round of Growth Track if you haven't already done it. You can indicate on these Connect cards that are on your seats that will, you'll get to place in the containers when they go around shortly that you'd like to speak with one of us or that you want to do growth track, that you'd like to find a service team. You can speak to someone at the Connection Hub. You can talk to any one of our pastors before or after the service. Any Sunday, we would love to help you find a place to serve. Maybe we could have 64 volunteer positions by this time next year. Who knows? We might need hundreds. Right, we also have these dreams and goals cards still on your seats. This is the last week that these will be placed out on seats for you. Even if you've filled one of these cards out already, 
If you haven't put something in there about serving in 2020, why not fill out another one? Put something in there, I want to find a team to serve in. Or I want to serve five times this year, or I'd like to volunteer. It doesn't have to be here at church. We have some of our lead volunteers this week finally gave themselves a weekend off church. This is David and Wendy Cook. We said, great, enjoy your weekend off. They're going to serve in the bushfire relief over in Wodonga. So these are people who understand service, right? We have many, many generous servants in this church. But remember, it's not what you've heard. Service is life's highest calling. And don't mistake passion for purpose. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I'd love to pray for you. So Jesus, we thank you for the example of humble service that you gave to us. Thank you for giving us the keys to greatness in your kingdom and to fulfillment in this life. Give us all the strength and courage to answer the call to loving service of one another as we seek to follow the example that you have set. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.